2: Welcome to Real News Podcast. Uh, This is Kyle. Uh, We've got a great interview today, Uh, but with me I've got um, Cody.
3: Heidi ho neighbor.
2: Carrington. Hey, hey, hey. And Andrew. Hello. And we've got a very special guest with us today. Uh, Executive editor of Game Informer, host of Super Replay, one half of the Rapture Twins, a husband... A father? A human being? Some may say the greatest Hans Oh! But, <laughs> but most of all, just a cool guy. We got Andrew Reiner with us. How are you doing today?
4: Good. How are you guys doing?
2: Pretty good. Doing real good. Real
4: Fantastic.
2: Good. <laughs> uh, really appreciate you uh, coming on here to chat with us, man. It's uh, really nice of you.
4: Yeah, it was a nice introduction. You could just say, you could skip all the stuff, just the greatest pharaoh main of all time. (laughs) Probably the most important one. I know people are probably like, oh my God, he's disrespecting his kid and his wife. But you know what? When you get that, you're kind of godly, and that kind of trumps, you know, being a father and uh, and uh, a husband, so. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not a
0: big Tom Brady fan, but that interview he just did, he was saying, you know, if you're going to be the best and beat him, you have to give up your life. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> priorities.
2: You know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, or I guess maybe we should address you as as Reiner because we have Andrew on on our podcast also. Yeah.
4: Pretty much everybody calls me Reiner except my daughter.
2: Okay. That'd be kind of weird if she did call you Reiner. <laughs> <laughs> probably will eventually. My sister does. Does she really? That's funny.
4: Super weird. Is um, so your you're wife? Per- yeah, she does too. Yeah.
2: Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you're um, pretty well known, uh, I guess, within uh, the gaming industry. Uh, as far as you know, writing reviews and being a part of Game Informer and uh, the Overblood community, um, really, how did you get involved with with uh, you know writing reviews and, and working within the industry?
4: Uh, you want me to go all the way back? Uh, so I mean, I was, going, I was going to college for to be an artist. I wanted to be a comic book artist. Uh, right. So I was like, cool. Uh, there's a school near me that. Um, that I can you know get trained in that and, and learn the the craft. And I was like, all right, awesome. But I quickly realized, like, maybe three, four months in, because I was learning stuff and having fun, that I was, like, the third best artist in my class. <laughs> That's just one class <laughs> out of one school. And I was like, <laughs> it's that realization of, like, I'm doing what I want, but I know it's not going to go anywhere. Right. Uh, so, you know, it, I kind of faced the hard truth and verse course and was like well what else can i do and it's like well part of what of doing comics that i think i'm pretty good at is writing um so i started to focus on that at the time uh, a store called funko land opened mm-hmm. uh in minnesota funko land number one the very first one ever is in eden prairie uh, minnesota and that's where mm-hmm. i was going to school and uh i was like cool i'll go check it out and i went there And the first day I went in the store was the first day that they got a new magazine in, and one of the employees, Paul Anderson, uh, was in it. So, you know, he would work in the store, but he'd also go to the corporate headquarters, which was also in Eden Prairie, and go write reviews. And he was so proud that he, he showed me this magazine, A Complete Stranger. That's how proud he was. He's just like, look, I'm in this. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, wait a minute. I freaking love video games. I would love <laughs> to do something like this. So he and I just started talking, and I was like, "You know what? I'm going to shop here." Um, and then I went back like the next week, talked to him again, and then eventually he's like, "You know your stuff. We should we should bring you in." And I was like, "Cool. Okay." So uh, I kind of before I even started working there had like kind of this promise that he was going to try to get me in at Game Informer. Um, so I started working in the store. My first day was his last day. I mean, this is kind of how crazy this whole thing wow. was.
1: Yeah.
4: Uh, and you know, he went over to Game Informer and he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you in. And uh, after my first day of working at the store, I went over to the corporate office and hung out with him at Game Informer. And for, I wanna say like a year and a half, I worked in the store and then they brought me into the warehouse. And already at that point, I kind of knew I was getting the job at Game Informer. They just needed to like clear some funding. Uh, and then within a matter of months, I was brought into Game Informer full time, and that was 24, 25 years ago, and I've been there ever since. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my path in. Wow. Yeah, that's
2: that's uh, actually pretty incredible.
4: Yeah, um, it's kind of neat, isn't it? And so, yeah, I started going to school for it, but was never specialized. And boy, none of those guys at Game Informer were—they were all brought in as gamers, right? Like their knowledge. Which right. I think is pretty smart because you can kind of learn the craft. Uh, it's kind of like you know, like Anakin being the chosen one—just raw potential, but not—you know, he has the tools, but he doesn't know how to use them, right? Right. Yeah.
3: right.
4: And uh, so we learned. We made so many mistakes along the way, of of how to how to make a magazine, and uh, yeah, it's we're still making mistakes today. But you know, I think we got a pretty solid foundation, and we've learned a lot uh, in that time, and. I think we have a pretty decent product
2: yeah for sure i mean you can't please everybody on the internet no no you never yeah. will no so like with you working there what what are i guess your duties like what's a day in the life working a game informer like
4: yeah i managed the staff uh with matt Burtz. you know he's kind of my other half there for you know managing employees uh and then I steer creative. So most of the stuff that goes up on the site and, and uh, the magazine and videos and all that stuff, you know, we kind of have a morning meeting, we discuss stuff and kind of give the, the go ahead to, to do certain types of stories and videos and all that. Uh, And then, you know, everybody there wears kind of every hat. So I also do videos, previews, reviews, Mm -hmm. interviews, uh, features, cover stories, pretty much everything um and you never know what's going to happen on any given day it's i would like to say you know we have a pretty decent flow of of how work kind of is handled you know we're not overstressing it or anything like that but you just don't know what's going to happen it's there is no solid concrete for a workload it's it's always like the rolling rapids because any kind of breaking news game coming in uh, embargo lifting can can break everything, and usually that happens every given day. Like you just never know what's going to happen when you go into work.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty uh pretty uncommon for uh, uh, Bethesda just to drop news, you know?
4: Yeah, new yeah. releases. I have a question. Or you on. just, or even Sorry. if you know you have a game coming and you don't know how long it's going to be, like okay, you can kind of assume like okay, I got Final Fantasy, that's going to be at least a week. Yeah, but sometimes there will be a game like Dark Souls, which you nobody knows anything about or and uh, you start playing it. and You're like, I I have no idea how long this is going to be like like, so that right there can just think of that employee, that one employee and everybody could be playing a different game. Uh, You just don't know how long it's going to be. So we kind of envy like movie critics, you know, you you know what you're getting when you go into the theater, it's going to be this length of a movie with games even if they say the developer says well we think it's about this the player could approach it completely differently. oh yeah extend the length or you know feel like they need to explore it longer uh it's a whole different ball game and that's super frustrating but uh also kind of what makes games great right like yeah. you just you just don't know
0: yeah for sure i've got i i've got one of uh, nobody minds um with uh, you obviously you're you know you're immersed in the video game culture and you're always you know got new games put in front of you. So I noticed sometimes like we kind of mentioning the whole movie idea. Um, movie critics at times tend to, I think they lose touch with the the pulse of the average American. They don't and there and that makes sense. I think anything when you really uh, get a sense for something, get a feel for it uh, over time, uh, your tastes become more refined. I guess for lack of a better term. So how do you balance that, like having a more refined taste just by the fact that you are, you know, around so many video games, good or bad, uh, and still trying to give your side of it, but still try to keep your mindset of the average gamer and how they're going to view things, trying to, you know, give them good information?
4: Yeah, that's tough because, you know, as as you get older, you just, you just start to gradually kind of change, right? Like it, you don't really feel like you're, different, but yeah, your interest changes. The way, you know, the stuff you read or, or write is, is different. And that's something Andy and I have struggled with a lot is as we get older, you know, we, we want a certain different thing, but our audience isn't getting older, right? You know, like maybe the average age goes up a year or two, but you still have kids reading the magazine.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So you have to really kind of focus on everything. And I think a lot of that comes from some of our younger employees showing us stuff. And boy, we got blindsided by you know, the whole influencer thing, you know, the YouTubers out there, Mm -hmm. like we just didn't see that thing coming at all. I don't think anybody did, you know, outside of the people doing it. Uh, And then the people watching it, like I think the whole game industry was kind of hit by that that hard. Just like, what do we do with this? Uh, So it's it's really hard to keep your finger on the pulse or, you know, you think you have good refined taste in knowing what the big games are going to be. I think Andy and I are still pretty good at that in, figuring out what we're going to put on the covers or focus on for features or, you know, even what games you cover now. Back in the day, it we used to be able to cover everything because there wasn't that many games. It was like Genesis, Super Nintendo. Yeah. Now, like in a month, there's, you know, maybe even a week now, there's more games releasing than there used to be in an entire year. Uh, and that's just mobile devices, steam, you know, all these digital services, yeah. switch, PlayStation four, Xbox, you name it. It's impossible to keep up with it. And I'm sure there's some of the best games in a year just go by unnoticed. Like nobody catches them. it It has to happen. And that's super frustrating. You know that that doesn't happen in the motion picture business. You know, they don't have that much uh, content, but games, it's just, I don't know how some of these companies stay afloat. You know, most of them probably sink. But gamers, you know, like you guys, I play Overwatch with you guys. We uh, mm-hmm. we play that pretty much every night. We've been playing it two years. Mm-hmm. Our time has been going to that one game, yet there's thousands releasing in a week. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and yeah. um, gamer times just spread everywhere, and it's spread thin. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really hard to stay stay focused on what's there. Thankfully, you know, the AAA games are still the same old AAA games of old. You know, Even some some of the same franchises are still yeah. around. Uh, most of the franchises are still around that were, were big hits back in the day. So I think we can kind of stay on top of that and uh, those releases. And, you know, I think word of mouth in the industry, um, you know, the, the days of day one reviews are kind of gone on indie games for sure. But you'll start seeing stuff pop up on steam, like getting a lot of positive reviews. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start seeing all these magazines and websites covering it. Over, yeah. Yeah. A couple of weeks later. So I think to answer your question, the long answer is, you know, it's your own taste, but you're also kind of collectively gathering from the different ages of people at your work. And then also just paying attention to what's going on in the industry as a whole, as to what's clicking with people and trying to cover that stuff.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. I got one more, and then I'll I'll bow out and let somebody else take a turn. And, and this is completely selfish. This question. So Cody, please forgive me in advance.
3: Without <laughs> <already laughs> taking too going much.
0: Oh, oh, you know. Oh, you know. Uh, so Reiner, what would you say is, in your opinion, what's your take on um, pre-orders on games? Good, bad, indifferent, somewhere oh, in the middle. Boy. Here we go.
4: Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's such a weird thing. Like. There was a time where when Nintendo 64 came out and it was just the hottest thing. And I remember stores ended up selling those games for like $125. Um, You know, they just racked up the price on them. And I was like, what is going on? I wish I would have got in on day one. I think I bought shadows of the empire for like $125, (laughs) like a complete idiot. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, so I have that memory and kind of getting burned and, and, that makes me like be like, okay, I want to make sure I get something. Or like when I find out like The Last Jedi is coming to theaters, it's like, okay, when, are, when can I pre-order my tickets? Like I need to make sure I have my exact seats that I want. Uh, so there's a part of me that just wants to make sure everything's covered. But now we live in this digital age, right? Like where you could just... You know, a Monster Hunter comes out at 11 p.m., right? Like you could just buy it and download it. So the whole notion of pre-orders... I think is more towards a physical item. If you want the physical item, uh, the disc or a system, I think that they're still really relevant. And, you know, for me just kind of being insecure in that capacity, I'm going to make sure I get it. But when it comes to software, like if it's a digital thing, you don't have to worry about it anymore.
3: Fair enough. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So Rainer, I, you know, A lot of people might say that you have like the dream job, you know, you, you work for Game Informer, you play games, you know, for a living and and you talk about them, but in your opinion, what are your favorite perks, um, of your job, um, that you'd say, like, when you like step back and you think about it, like, man, I just, I do this for a living. And what are your favorite perks about, about working for Game Informer?
4: Yeah. Most people would be like, you get to play games or, you know, like you get, you get free games sometimes, uh, those things are great, but. As a, a creative type, I think it is just being able to create stuff every day that's different and being challenged to do things that are different. Uh, you know, when you write uh, hundreds, thousands of game reviews, it it becomes a little easier, but also more of a challenge and finding unique angles and, and really trying to, to hone your craft in different ways. Uh, every time I open up a blank document, that's probably the most exciting part of my my job is Yes, there's stress of, like, oh, i got to hit this, this embargo. I only have a few hours to do something. Um, there are times where that happens. But when you have, like, the luxury of, like, crafting a feature or uh, an opinion piece and doing it, you know, like, being able to edit it and, and really uh, take your time with it, that's the best part easily. Like, nothing else comes close to that
3: very nice and on the flip side because you know like i said people might see you have a dream job what are some uh, your worst part of the job you know something that you you know that your average person may not know that you go through on it on maybe a day-to-day basis or or you know every once in a while or just something that you don't look forward to doing
4: there's just a lot of stress involved uh in, in any given thing um you know even if you have the time to do something like i was saying maybe you'll run into like the time where you're like oh i just don't know what to say i don't know how to start this piece mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like you're sitting looking at a blank document for two hours right uh just deleting paragraphs left and right that that's something but you know the the clock is always against you in, in game journalism and especially for us you know like we we have a monthly deadlines so like every month uh you know you you try to allot your time you try to pace yourself the right way but no matter what you do that deadline's going to creep up on you and now you have daily deadlines of with the website on top of that and those can be tricky you know it's like you got to make sure you hit the embargo online you know sometimes that means getting up at 2 a.m in the morning to post your review um and or you know like even replay you know that that's that's a deadline like you got a lot the time to record it, mm-hmm. uh, edit it, get it published, make sure all that goes well, and just keeping track of all that stuff can be can be frustrating um, and stressful. And I feel it every day. There's there's some kind of stress, even if I'm in the zone writing. There's there's something in the back of your head because you have so many duties uh, that's going to be stressing you out. So we try to give our guys, you know, the our team, the luxury of like, hey, why don't you go home and play that or you know, take a day off here or there because uh, you do get hit hit hard with the stress. Uh, you know, every month you're gonna end up feeling it at some point.
3: Yeah. I could, I could, I could see that. And I, I, from just like listening to other people, you know, interviewing and talking about, it, I hear uh, come June and E three starts. I hear that's the most stressful time. Would you say that's true?
4: Uh, that or the the holiday season for reviews, just when all the big stuff's coming out, and it's like. Ugh. Who do we put on this? We got to record video of it. We got to get it up uh, for embargo that those are the two that are, that are pretty stressful. E3 is just, it's just madness, right? Like June,
3: uh,
4: <laughs> it's just so much going on and you don't have enough people to do it. There's not enough time in the day to, to do all the writing. You just try to keep up with it and, and, and not drown in it.
3: Yeah, I could definitely see all that. And, and, you know, so I, I guess I'm gonna have uh maybe this last question for now that I have um I'm a huge fan of of replay and super replay you know I think all of us here are um, cool so how did that get started and then on top of that you know which is your favorite super replay that you've done and that you would recommend um, our audience to go check out if they've never watched the super replay
4: uh so so replay I guess it all started with replay right and there was one day in the office where Nick Aarons, our video guy, um, just figured something out. This is back in the day where we, were, we used to record on, like, DAT tapes. Um, it's not that long ago. <laughs> yet we were kind of behind on, like, technology and all that stuff just because we were a print mag. We didn't really right. think about, like, online stuff. So we were really excited because we, we figured out how to do video. And Dan, I challenged Dan to do a piece on Twisted Metal. It's like one of his favorite games of all time. Twisted Metal Two. Dan Reichert, who's over at Giant Bomb now, um, and I was like, well, hey, why don't, why don't we go record some video, right? And so he was excited, and he's like, you know what? Let's let's uh, let's play through the series. What do you think of that? What what if I did like a video thing on the series? And it's like, yeah, let's do it. And we ended up, I don't know if it was Nick or maybe Phil Kohler or someone. But we decided to have um, a bunch of us go down there and record audio and just kind of reminisce about this series. And as we were doing it, we were just like, this is super cool. Like, we really like doing this as, as a team. And we were wasting so many man hours. We had five people doing it, which is a super dumb idea. Um, <laughs> when you have such a small team, and you have like 14 people on your team and you have five of them for an hour and a half in a video room. Uh, is just a, a waste of resources. Um, but we were like, this is super cool. Let's let's think of this. And I was like, well, what if we did it as like a show? <laughs> and I, 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 th- I can't remember some of the names that we were throwing around. There was Rewind. I know there's, uh, we ended up on Replay, but we were like really thinking about, um, you know, stuff we, I think the Vault was one that we threw around because we have the Game Informer Vault. Um, but we ended up settling on replay and it was close to being rewind, I think, because the guy who made our video made it like a VHS tape. I don't know if you've seen the first, the early episodes, but it yeah. is like a VHS tape rewinding, mm-hmm. uh, which makes no sense, um, uh, <laughs> for, for games. But yeah, we, we kind of went there and then as I was thinking about it as a show, cause we really wanted to do something and enter that space. Um, I realized Dan and Tim were really good at, at video. So I brought them in and then I wanted to make it kind of a variety show with, with something that was different, right? Like, cause like giant bomb was doing their quick looks, which is just a focused look at one game. And I wanted it to be a little different where you didn't know what the next segment would be. You know, that's something I love about like Saturday night live where um, it's uh, it goes from one skit to the next and, and, you know, you're, you're kind of there for the full hour just to see what happens next.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
4: thought that could be a hook that we would have to keep people watching the video. And uh, Tim and Dan, I found, were very funny. And they it, when we were doing Twisted Metal, it reminded me a lot of Mystery Science Theater.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And I was like, man, that would be a, a good thing too if we, could, if we could harness that, you know. Maybe, you know, when we're, we're doing our job of reflecting on games, you know, being like you know, encyclopedic and kind of talking about their importance to the history or, uh, you know, why we enjoy playing them, but then also have fun with it and let these guys be comedians in it. Right. Uh, so all that just kind of came together and we were all kind of on the same page on day one. And from there, Dan came to me one day, uh, I was in my office. He's like, what do you think about me playing through an entire game (laughs) I was like, that's crazy. Uh, We can't do that. That's just going to take forever. And he's like, well, I'll just bring one person down there and we'll alternate it. I was like, "Okay." And the thing that he sold me on, like I was still not on board. Like I was like, "Ah, this just seems like we're just going to be sitting down there playing a game for fun. Uh, But then he's like, we could call it Super Replay. And right there, I was like, oh, that's like, you know, the old Super Nintendo games. It's really cool. I was like, yeah, why don't we try one? Uh, and I think the first one we did was Zelda, one of the Zelda games, super, uh, a link to the past, I think. Okay. But it was really fun, really informative. The community seemed to dig it. And so we just decided to stick with it. Um, and we have not given it up in, I think, seven years now we've been doing replay and super replay. Yeah. Uh, and I know you guys, it's like, Yeah. yeah, it's like an hour. We do replay for an hour uh each week, and then you know super replay we just kind of pepper it throughout the throughout the year as as many as we can get in where it doesn't feel like we're it's overkill um, but I would say my favorite one favorite super replay you were asking yes is probably um Oof, that's a tough question. I, I'm going <laughs> to say Resident Evil, where we alternated between the classic and the GameCube one. Mm-hmm. And the reason is I was in the, I put all those videos together. I was in the control room on that one. So it was, not only was I like doing the hosting stuff, but I was, um, uh, <laughs> you know, editing all those videos and, you know, taking care of the sound and all that. So it was a huge challenge, but uh, boy, I loved doing it. And I thought it was just fun to see a game that way. From two perspectives, uh, you know, in parallel almost.
3: All right. Very nice. Would you recommend um, anyone who hasn't seen Super Replay to go see that one? Because that's the one you, your favorite? Or. Um...
4: Well, I think. I mean, that's me just being okay. a creative type, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I guess <laughs> the ones I'd recommend are probably the ones that are more. Uh, the batter game, the, the, the really terrible games. Like, yeah. I think yeah. our most popular one. To date is Sonic 06 which was we did last year, <laughs> um, yes. which is just horribly broken and yes. just it's just awful. And I mean, we we are immediately frustrated with this game.
3: Yeah, I remember watching through that, and it was painful. It's painful to play it anyway, but to, to see you guys go through it, that was also painful.
4: I think it works a little better as Super Replay than our others, just because it's a little faster paced. Um, and, immediately to the action immediately to the the broken parts uh but the the cult classics i guess are like the, the survival horror games like overblood um galerians a lot of people seem to dig uh, blue, blue stinger, stinger yeah um, hill yeah. bleed you know those those uh those are all kind of the same tone we really lucked out and found a bunch of games in that capacity and Kept a consistent team on those with Tim and Dan, uh, Tim playing all of them. I like that. That's like a nice, <laughs> yeah. nice, right? Like that just feels like a complete TV show we put together. Uh, whereas now we kind of have a different identity with them and um, we're kind of all over the place. Still trying to find what we want to do with them. But yeah, I like that. The Sonic one, I think, is if you want to start with one, start with that one.
3: I, I i'd probably have to agree with that between that or, or overblood one or two because you guys are hilarious when you guys do those things especially when they start breaking or um, oh god and overblood especially like when just crazy things happen
4: i love your guys's reactions so yeah yeah but I, I could see you know we're doing it for fun but at the same time there's the stress of it because it's like you want to <laughs> you want to get it done you have to get it done you know it's a super replay that means you have to finish the game so like him playing martian gothic like we would we would we had like therapy sessions with that dude like (laughs) in between episodes of just like holy crap like therapy for all of us like okay we can get through this like just keep your head up high you know it's like (laughs) the game is that bad that was his last super replay wasn't it yeah well i guess he came back to do one's res evil 4 and stuff like that but that was the last one as a part of game informer he's Mm -hmm. at capcom now
2: I was, I was going to say, was that the driving force that, that made him go away? <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I, I think it's just his life and, you know, what he wanted to do. And, right. Uh, you know, he's a huge Capcom fan. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but. No. Uh, yeah. yeah, it seemed like the day he told me about it, you know, I was just like, that's perfect, man. Yeah. You know, usually you're like, oh, man, can we keep you? But it's just like that one. It was just like, holy cow, that's that's where you need to be. His dream
2: job. For sure. Uh. So kind of looking at what you do for work and, and, you know, gaming as a hobby, is there a way that you separate, you know, the two from each other? I mean, do you get sick of playing video games?
4: No. <laughs> uh, and that, that's an answer to, to both of them. Like even when I'm playing like overwatch with you guys, you know, I'm there's things I'm saying like, Oh, I could do an article on that or, uh, you know, you're, you're always on as, as a journalist, I think. Uh, and I just love the hell out of games. You know, it's, it's the best thing to, to, to do in my spare time. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't get enough of them. And like I said, there's way too many to play the stack of games I look at for each year. It's just like, there's no way, like, even if I had like retired, I don't think I could get through everything that was in that one year in my lifetime.
3: So when you do game with us or game normally, do you ever, like, have, like, a notepad next to you and write stuff down and stuff you see and stuff you can uh, work on?
4: Uh, sometimes I'll write something in my – I have a – I keep notes on my phone. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll – sometimes I'll jot down notes in my phone just so I remember I'll look up something online like if it's like an image or a character and I'll take a picture of it so next time I'm going through my phone I'll be like what the hell is that oh yeah I wanted to write an article about that <laughs> yeah. yeah cool um uh, yeah so every once in a while I'll, I'll be doing stuff like that cool yeah this is kind of a probably a difficult
2: question to answer maybe but uh like looking back at all the games you've played are there do you have like a top three games of all time oof uh or maybe just I mean you don't even have to do like top three, but maybe just, like, games that just come straight to your head that are like, yeah, that game was incredible.
4: Yeah, the Zelda for me, that was the game changer for me. Like, that game blew my mind. You know, young Reiner could barely comprehend, like, just how cool that was. Um, so that one's still my favorite. You know, that... The the investment I had in that one and just how it transported me into a new experience, that'll never be topped.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, you know, I... It's like Metroid, Zelda, you know, I always think back to the classics. I love, you know, of the modern stuff, I'm a big fan of the Grand Theft Auto games. Uh, I wish Rockstar would make those more frequently, but (laughs) when they do make them, they're always fantastic. So Mm -hmm. I can't really uh, uh, complain too much. And now Overwatch, like seriously, we've talked about it a bunch here on this podcast, but I've never played a game this long before. As a journalist, you usually move on, right? Like you have to... You have to stay current. You got to keep bouncing around between games, but even in that now, like that narrative's changing. Where it's like, well, they keep adding content to this game. We got to cover it. Our community's still playing it, and um, I've never played a game this long, so that's got to be in my top ten now. I would, I would imagine. I don't know if it breaks top three, but I don't want to stop playing anytime soon. That's for sure. Yeah, I think
2: one like looking at Overwatch now with uh, the league being introduced to everyone and how big it's growing uh do you think that that overwatch league has
4: surpassed you know esports games like starcraft and counter-strike i think it it's going to come down to like both i think those games suffer from the same problem that overwatch does and like i i showed my dad the overwatch league and he's just like what the hell's happening
2: mm-hmm.
4: uh, and i think Starcraft and and other esports games have the same problem where it's it's really hard to track what's going on and you try to put yourself into the shoes of someone who's never seen a football game before and what that experience must be like like what's happening yeah you kind of know they have to get to the other end zone that's the first thing someone will tell you right like they got to get it in there they get six points Uh, Overwatch it's like okay they got to get to this point and capture it it's got to get up to 100 or whatever but then they got to like protect this payload. Uh, you know there's just all these things that are uh, that are tied to it that make it really hard. And football games the, the camera view is fixed, right? Like mm-hmm. it might kind of pan as the action goes along. But Overwatch they they're flipping that camera around like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. And same it same with League and all that even if they are just bouncing from one character to the next. You just it's disjointed. You kind of lose track of where you are unless you really know the map. Um, So as far as attracting new people, it's going to be tough. But I think a lot of people that. You know, like kids and uh, teenagers and stuff like that, I think they're cutting their teeth on games a lot more than than uh, the previous generations. So I think they will be more kind of up to speed on what these things are uh, as they come online whether these things will will make it to like ESPN, you know, I know they've dabbled in it. Uh, I think they've they did League of Legends once, right? Yeah. Uh, whether Overwatch goes there, I don't know. The one thing they've done better is branding. All the team names found like, sound like official team, you know, yeah. like you could put them in the NBA or MLB, and then the logos associated with that. Uh, I think they've done a good job with that. So it's easy to latch onto the team itself. Um, And then it's just a matter of them being able to explain it to newcomers. I think they almost have to do something like, do you guys ever see that show American Gladiators? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, I was always excited for that show. It's like Saturday morning, whatever it was on, and I, I would turn it on. And the first five minutes sucked because it was just an overview of the course every time you're like oh okay yeah i know he's gotta he's gotta you know jump across that thing but they had to explain that every time because there would be new viewers right they're not doing that with overwatch right they just they're just talking to their audience right now but for them to grow they're really going to have to figure out camera angles uh explaining what it is each time yeah Mm -hmm. and boy the pc version those guys are so skilled and it's so fast but it's too fast for certain characters like Genji and, and, uh, tracer, like <laughs> watching those characters from first person with those, those pros playing, It's just like it's a, blur. a blur. It's a blur. Yeah, it's yeah. like, Holy yeah. crap. So I don't know how they, they solve that. Uh, maybe it, it'd be like being in the helmet of an NFL player, right? Like a running back. It's yeah. just going through the line. Like, it's just like, I, I can't tell what's happening. Uh, that's a problem they have. And every once in a while they pull out to third person. And I think that works a little better for those characters. Mm -hmm. But then again, you're not seeing like the, the
2: yeah,
4: you're not seeing like them lining up the shots and all that, but I don't know. That's, that's going to be, they have some, some challenges ahead of them, but they got the presentation down in terms of the arena, you know, the kind of how they're presenting the players and then the, The teams. I think the teams are the best part of it. I I bought a Soul Dynasty shirt, and then the logo looks awesome. And yeah, all that stuff's great.
2: All right, cool. So mentioning, you know, you being a content creator, um, and, and, you know, you you do provide make a lot of content for Game Informer, you also do music on the side uh, in a band called The Rapture Twins with Motion City soundtrack frontman Justin Pierre. Can you give us a general idea of like the sound of, of your band and how long you guys have been doing this?
4: Uh it's it's rock and roll. Uh we don't really know where it's gonna end up in terms of sound. We're we're kind of throwing around a bunch of different ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, obviously Justin being from Motion City, there's that kind of feel. We've had um we had Joss the bass player. Uh, he's on our new three songs. We've released one so far. There'll be two more coming here soon. Awesome. But, um, you know, we you know, every once while it's like, hey, I want to make this song kind of like Nirvana uh, and then shellac and he'll throw back, you know, I want to do something uh, a little bit more in this vein. So we kind of bounce around. And I think, how many have we released? I think we've released two songs right now.
2: Yeah. They're very yeah.
4: different. Like the, the, the sound is very different on them. The first one was kind of uh, both of us together, just laying down parts and it's just a mess of a rock song and the second one's driven a little bit more by him and i'm kind of playing along with with his tone
2: mm-hmm.
4: um so you know the plan is just to release a song at a time and uh who knows what's going to happen we're kind of the games or the songs are inspired by video games so the first one was inspired by um bioshock it's right. called Would Be kindly And then the next one is Overblood called Eternity. And the whole point is like, we're putting our lives into the video games, kind of what our, you know, our focus would be like uh, if we were in these games. So we use the games as kind of a setting, but are talking about our lives, our issues, issues in the real world, um, kind of in the flavor of the game. So I think it's a unique thing, it's cool. and uh, yeah, we're we're excited to to release these next two songs. One's by one's about um, Last of Us. Oh, cool! And, that, <laughs> and then uh, what's the other one? We did Last of Us. Oh, a Fallout. We did one about Fallout, and that has um, a special guest singer on there—a uh, female singer. And cool. I'll leave it at
2: that. Oh, yeah, cool. I look forward to that. Uh, it's gonna have that 1960s vibe to it.
4: Uh, n- no, the, it's okay. a mess. I was kind of the driving force on that one. Mm-hmm. So it's just like really kind of hard rock. Uh, but there's, there's some beauty to it. There's, there's some up vibes to it. Yeah, that's
2: cool. Um, kind of like an off question, you know, when it comes to music and, and doing, uh, writing, uh, for games and then, uh, creating, you know, creating, uh, replay content. I mean, is there anything that you revert out of the three of those? Like, would you, I guess, would you rather write music or would you rather write articles or does it really matter to you? I mean, because you're just writing.
4: I, I think I would rather do music right now because I'm not very good at it and okay. it's a challenge. And it's, it's just that kind of, there's more learning to it. There's more excitement to like, uh, the process where it's like, oh my gosh, there's a new sound or a, a, a new way I can, uh, you know, do this, this melody, like, whereas writing, I've done it so much where even though I am trying to, you know, challenge myself to do new things, there's just not a lot of new things you can do. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I would say music, it wouldn't necessarily pay the bills, but it is more exciting to do that stuff. Um, just cause I don't do it as much. Right.
3: So, um I've I've read another interview with you and and Justin. You guys said you would not be going on tour at all with with uh, the Rapture Twins, but have you guys ever thought about performing locally in like bars and venues around Minnesota? We've man,
4: we get hit up to do that all the time.
1: Uh
4: uh people want us to play shows, but the truth of it is just we're really lazy. And if you if you've ever been in a band, like touring and playing out is is awful. <laughs> it's fun when it's fun when you're like in front of the crowd and you're actually doing the show. Mm-hmm. But everything else is like either a waste of time in travel or uh just sitting in the club or you know, the arena and then afterwards it's just like, oh my god, it's two AM or eleven PM. I usually go to bed at like ten thirty, like this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, it's there's just a lot of downtime and you know, we've both been very successful in our music careers you know me with tripping icarus before that uh where we can just kind of do what we want and just create that's the best part of it so that's what we're doing right now
3: okay well i mean if you guys ever do decide to perform in minnesota i'm sure we would be uh we'd be right there in the front row (laughs) oh nice (laughs) So, with sticking with the music just for a second, um, so just this is kind of a personal question though. Uh, What is your favorite band that you've seen live? And it doesn't—I don't mean your favorite band, but the favorite band you've seen live. Nirvana. Oh my gosh, I'm so Uh, jealous! uh, Yeah,
4: yeah, and they did. It was like they didn't tour Minnesota for Nevermind. Like they went from uh, from Bleach to in utero so i saw they did kind of a double combo of nevermind and in utero and it was the absolute craziest loudest uh arena rock show i've seen like that place was just bopping and yeah obviously he died you know a year later or whatever which Mm -hmm. was complete shock but yeah just having the chance to go see them was was incredible Nothing else comes close by the way like oh, yeah, in terms I of concerts. Oh gosh. I I've can't had imagine. you know I've I've been to little private parties where it's like Queens of the Stone Age is playing for like 40 people. Oh, and I'm like oh in, my I'm in the, like I'm in the front row and I'm like this is nuts. Uh, but still nothing comes close to to being in an arena with, you know, thousands of people watching Nirvana. Oh, I can imagine.
3: So my my personal dream—I've seen the Foo Fighters twice, and Dave Grohl is my favorite musician. But I have yet to see him drum. So the fact that you've seen him drum in person, like I'm—I'm I'm like super jealous.
4: He was, yeah. So I saw him with Nirvana. He wasn't drumming for Queens, unfortunately, though.
3: Oh, yeah. I saw—I've seen Queens as well, but he—he he wasn't drumming then either. So someday, though, I will see him drum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's incredible. It's like shotgun blast the snare. Oh, I can, I yeah, I can imagine. I can only imagine. He, yeah, he's my favorite musician, but yeah, I, I can't, I'm, I'm like oozing with jealousy right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, okay, so discuss Game Informer, uh, uh, your current music project, The Rapture Twins. Uh, getting into something maybe just a little bit more personal, uh, you are a family man. Mm-hmm. Um
4: is your kid a gamer? <laughs> yes. Uh and as a matter of fact, right before this this um interview, we were playing Lego Dimensions. Uh mm-hmm. it is her favorite game ever. She cannot get enough of this and she's getting really good at it. Uh it's it's fun because she's like she's evolved so much as a gamer within even like three weeks, I would say like she's now doing everything on her own where she used to have to like pass me the controller. Mm-hmm. But now it seems like we're beyond that. She's starting to get it, all the mechanics. And I was playing overwatch the other day and she came downstairs. She's like, I want to play it. And I was like, there's no way you're tanking my competitive. <laughs> <play."> <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, think, think." And I was like, Oh, she can go into the practice area. So I put her in there and she's like, I want to be the pink lady. So, I, you know, I gave her diva and, at first, she's, you know, like she could just move forward with the one stick, and now she's, like, flying around, doing both analog sticks, targeting enemies, uh, you know, the robots that are in there, mm-hmm. and she thinks it's cool, and, you know, she watches me play, and she's like, let me do that. And it's like, <laughs> no, you're not tanking my competitive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. understand that, so she gets upset. No. And I'm like, someday you'll know, like, this is, like, the most important thing is competitive. <laughs> um like you can't you can't tank that, um, so yeah. So that's like now I'm thinking like okay if she's gonna get into Overwatch, um, you know probably what six seven years from now I'm gonna have to get another Xbox, and X you know like I'm thinking like oh man I'm gonna pay for two Xbox Live accounts and- yeah and, yeah it's like ah
3: so you can just do yeah. the game share thing you don't have to pay for two xbox live is
4: overwatch at the same time
3: yeah
4: yes Hmm. oh well yeah i could do that then there you You go you just gotta buy another xbox
2: yeah what side question what would you have done if uh if she said i wanted to play the guy with the bow and arrow uh
4: (laughs) i probably just would (laughs) have (laughs) left i don't know yeah like that'd be that that'd be the big talk, right? That'd be the biggest talk. You know, it wouldn't be like dating or you know, like the birds and the bees, It would yeah. be like why you shouldn't like Hanzo. <laughs> you got to teach her right though. Know?
3: Start him young. Otherwise she you just won't understand.
4: Like seriously, like who are the people that keep choosing that guy? Like <laughs> I don't get it. People oh, that want to lose rage. Me, it drives me bonkers. Yeah. For sure.
2: Was there, like, any kind of way that you introduced her to gaming? Like, did did you, was it important for you to kind of start with older games and work your way forward, or were you like, here's modern gaming,
4: go at it? Yeah, when she was born, I was like, okay, I'm going to cut her teeth on the classics. Like, she's going to play Mario, and then she's going to play Zelda, and then I was like, well, that's really dumb. (laughs) Uh, Because, like, there's so many better, so much, you know, better content out there now. Like, the games look better. They're, you know, like... You know, I, when I was born, the first movie they didn't show me, it wasn't, like, black and white, right? Like, we went and saw, like, a Disney movie. Yeah. Um, so, you know, keeping that in mind, I was like, you know what? I, I need something that's nonviolent. Like, it has to be absolutely nonviolent. And a lot of that stuff we found was, like, on phone, like, learning games.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I was like, these kind these things kind of suck. You know, there's some good ones, <laughs> but most of them are, like, pretty poorly made. Um. And I was like, all right, well, and they're not really gamey, right? Like a lot of them just kind of moving things around. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, there's that Mario game on Wii U, Mario Maker, where I can make her nonviolent levels where she's not killing anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: She can't die. So the first one I did was you just run from left to right, and then you get to the flag and you jump. And she used to do that and had trouble with the jump at first, and then all of a sudden she's a whiz at it. And then I would put in gaps, you know, where she'd have to jump over it. If she missed, she'd just fall on bricks and have to jump back up. Um, But, you know, I just kept making different variations of nonviolent things. And eventually, you know, she was just, like, cruising through those levels. And then, you know, she graduated to something different, you know, like uh, a 3D platformer. And from there, it was, like, you know, teaching her a little bit about comical violence, right? Like, even Mm -hmm. Lego Dimensions is your you're punching you know joker's minions and uh you know she seems fine with that a lot of the stuff you know she watches on on tv there's a degree of violence to it she knows it's make-believe um you know it's i don't want to show her you know some people out there listening might be like oh my god she's playing overwatch at the age of five (laughs) um but you know it's like it's in a non-violent capacity you can't block them from all of it right um you know, I try. I don't let her watch a lot of the games I play. You know, I I, I shudder. You know, like I, I freeze up when she comes in sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm reviewing a game or something. You know, sneaks up on me or whatever. Um, so yeah, we, we try to we try to be good parents in in, in the content she's she's allowed to to digest, but you can't protect them from all of it. And eventually, they just need to know what's up with with certain things and. You know, we're doing our best, you know, she'll probably yeah. go along the line of T to M, you know, at the at the proper times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. But she's digging it. She she thinks Lego Dimensions is just genius. You know, she she wants to play it all the time.
2: Yeah, that's uh that's that's pretty awesome. I mean, just being conscious of the fact, you know, not to you know expose your kid to that kind of stuff. Because in our area, it's pretty common to go into a GameStop and see someone buy, you know, like Grand Theft Auto for their 10 year
4: old boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not going to happen here, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. The thing is, though, it's like Lego Dimensions is great, but then it's like, hey, I want to get the Teen Titans back. And you're like, oh, God, that's 25 bucks. <laughs> it's like, it's like loot crate. It's like the most ridiculous loot crates, you know, like, or, you know, microtransactions. Like, like you could spend like, fifteen hundred dollars on this game or something like that so it's like well you can have a car when you're 16 or you can get these lego sets now what do you want (laughs) what's more important to you yeah go to college or you get these lego sets (laughs) yeah right um
2: you know with being so involved within gaming what is what does she think of your job does she
4: think that you have a cool job or does she even really like acknowledge it she she thinks i'm a liar i think uh (laughs) they will be like, "Hey, Daddy's got to work," and she's like, "You're just playing a game." <laughs> uh, but yeah, she doesn't really understand the writing stuff or or what I do. Um, little young for that, but yeah, I, I definitely do think she thinks so. I'm just trying to avoid her when I'm <laughs> when I'm playing games at work. <laughs> so. uh, do you think she'd ever become a pro Overwatch player? Maybe. I mean, that's the thing. Like, those you got to be a kid to do it, right? Yeah. 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 That's yeah, kind of one thing yeah. that's also going to hurt the league is if they are going for the top talent, you know, the top players are going to retire in five years, six years. You know, there's not going to be those like historic, huge, lengthy baseball careers. Yeah. Um, just because the reflex is slow. Once the carpal
2: tunnel starts setting in. What's that? <laughs> so once the carpal tunnel starts setting in too.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah that's going to hurt the league but yeah i I would love that if she was a pro gamer that'd be the coolest thing
3: aren't there like a lot of like really good overwatch players who aren't of age to be in the league yet that they can't even sign yeah so when other people retire you get the new kids in so it shouldn't it shouldn't be too bad i
4: think yeah for sure. Yeah, I don't know what the the oldest. I I'd be curious who the oldest player in the league is. If I had to guess, I'd say like maybe at the most twenty seven, something like that. I was thinking, I was thinking that, but I have no
3: idea. Something to look into, maybe.
4: Yeah. Yep. Oh, there you go. I'm gonna write this down.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, fi- final question uh, for me, and then uh if anyone else has anything throughout
0: yeah there? I, I have myself this question i've got i've been mapping it out for okay. several minutes now all right so.
2: you've got this equation all set out uh yeah do you have any advice to anyone trying to get their foot into the door within the gaming industry as a content creator or journalist or uh really anything at all
4: yeah i mean just keep keep going you know don't write one article and be like okay i'm gonna do this you gotta write dozens upon dozens that no one will ever see just to get better, you know, doing them on blogs or whatever, you know, same thing with making a game, you know, get better at coding, get better at art, keep trying. And, and the big thing is, you know, with social media, embrace it and don't be afraid, you know, like reach out to people, talk to them. Most journalists will, will talk back to you. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, we, they're not, we're not like Uber celebrities with millions of followers. It's like, People follow your channel, you know, like Game Informer has millions, but like the journalists, you know, they're pretty much unknowns, like 30,000, 40,000 followers. You know, they're they see all the the ads and all that stuff. So, yeah, seriously, like be like, hey, I want to get into this. I'd like to freelance. You know, Game Informer doesn't do freelancing, but most outlets do. Or, you know, like I have this review. Could you take a look at it?
2: Mm-hmm. You'd
4: be surprised. A lot of people will just be like, I got five minutes. I'll take a look I'll give you some feedback. Cool. So, yeah, I would say, you know, be, you know, just be up front and show people your stuff if you're proud of it, and you'll probably get some feedback.
2: That's pretty cool.
4: I yeah, appreciate that. That's, uh, that's a good answer.
2: Uh, the one answer. answer.
4: You you did not say any of the other answers were good.
2: Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, that that was a pretty, I don't know, <laughs> I'm really tired, man. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right,
0: I'll I'll step in and save right. you then. All right, okay. I guess first off, I'll start with a, a more generalized question, but I think it's a, a question I know has been asked uh, on this podcast um, with uh, the fact that I feel like there's a lot of good multiplayer games out there, and there's a lot of good single player games out there, especially at least you know several a year. Um, but I know it's been brought up that a lot of co op games seem to have kind of fallen to the wayside. I don't know if that's just our perception. Um, but, uh, especially as Kyle has termed them before, uh, couch co-ops, you know, come just having a buddy come over and, and playing together. Uh, those have kind of, uh, are, are few, very few and far between, I guess. Um, do you think that that is really a loss or is that just kind of, you know, the progression of things as gaming has got more and more advanced and you have, you know, online becoming a bigger and bigger factor. And once you answer that, then I have a follow-up that's more, a little more specific,
4: uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, especially couch co-op, that's that's definitely a dinosaur that's disappearing, right? Um, even, you know, Nintendo was the one that really embraced it um, in the last couple generations, but now people are on the go with Switch, right? So they're probably thinking more about the single-player experience, um, especially since they really struggle with online. You know, they pushed out their service another year here, which is just crazy town. Um, but, yeah, it, it's... You know, like there's that game coming out from EA, A Way Out, which mm-hmm. is all co-op. But that's a gamble because that means like you need two people. You know, so I'm sure they look at every metric, all the time that's spent on these games. You know, all the data that's pouring in, and they're they're putting their budgets where people are playing games or where they want you to be playing games. And sadly, getting two people in a room together, you know, that's that's harder to to do than. Uh, or you know, that, that metric's gonna always be lower than, you know, playing it with a friend online or um, uh, you know, having a, uh, a group even like sixty people or hundred people for PUBG, you know, the odds of you having a friend come over that consistently is gonna be less. So just by that nature I think I think you're seeing less less co op games. Even though they're super fun and I think they can be a selling that can be a selling point if it's done well. Um it's just, just, there's just not the audience there for it. It's, it's always going to be the, the lowest on the totem pole. I gotcha. All
0: right. And then going along with that and kind of getting a little more specific, um, kind of my opinion, I know it could be played as a single player game, of course, but I think it actually plays best as a co-op. Uh, the last really great co-op game that I can recall playing and that I, I think it has to be the best in several years was borderlands Two. Um, and like I said, once once again, I'm assuming it sounds like you agree that that would be the case. And uh, since you know you're kind of higher up the ladder, uh, is there what what is there anything new on the front as far as Borderlands Three? I know that they obviously they said it's going to happen at some point, but and, and any thoughts in general
4: on that? Yeah, they're they're working on it. Um, I, I think they're still working on it. I know a lot of the talent left. Mikey Newman, you know, he's doing movie reviews now. Um he was the writer for one of the writers for borderlands one and two i think the voice of claptrap left he was someone in the studio dave i think is his name um but yeah i think randy's still plugging along on that i hope they are uh you know battleborn got a bad rap i think it's better than people said it was or the you know the reception it got but it's Overwatch not watch kind of yeah it's not borderlands you know it's borderlands is their game uh yeah. So yeah, I hope I hope they're making that. I think they showed a video at GDC last year of just kind of a proof of concept, or just you know, here's here's a video of a character standing on a cliff or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm assuming that's what they're working on, unless they abandoned it and they had a better idea. But I I hope it's couch co-op. Yeah, that would be awesome.
3: And then, as for my final question, it's slightly personal and kind of maybe weird, but what has kept you there in Minnesota and Game Informer as opposed to going somewhere like uh, California or New York and moving away to maybe like a bigger city and things like that? What has kept you there in Minnesota and Game Informer after all, all these years? A few things. Uh, we had
4: the options, by the way, to move. Like we talked about going to like San Francisco, the hotbed of gaming, right? Or LA or something like that. And we realized we kind of liked being on the island because as much as you want like people coming to you with games and stuff like that we found it's better to be kind of isolated and you know have those experiences come to you not just for like an afternoon but you get like the full day with them when they do come in and also they're just not constantly banging on your door you you have time to really plan and the space to to do your own thing um and then the other thing is cost of living too you know, you saw like a lot of companies like EGM, you know, they went belly up. I think a lot of that had to do with them being based in San Francisco. That's just super expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I, I, I don't know how people live out there. You know, like journalists live out there, just given how expensive everything is. Um, that right there can can cripple businesses. Um, so, I, you know, I wish we had better weather. Um, (laughs) it's, it's good gaming weather. I'll say that much.
0: Yeah, that's for sure.
4: (laughs) Unless you're playing Pokemon go and then you're (laughs) going to die. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I I feel like we've kind of have our own identity where we are and, uh, it, it's worked out. Like, I think we, we haven't really lost a lot. You know, maybe we lose some travel time going to San Fran a bunch or LA, but, uh, yeah, I don't think we're missing out on too much. I think, Having space is better than just being in the heart of it.
3: Okay, very nice. I, I was just curious because you know IGN is like based in San Fran, and you know the, the various video game companies are based, like the bigger ones at least, are you know L.A., San Francisco, New York, yada yada yada. But that was just something I was always curious about. And another thing I'm also curious about, because. Um, people on the internet, either you you know, you're you're an IGN fan but you're not a Game Informer fan, or you're a Game Informer fan but you don't like IGN. Do you guys as Game Informer and IGN and other media outlets, do you guys are you guys genuinely like nice to each other and when you guys see each oh, other? Oh god, yeah. yes, Okay
4: Yeah, yeah, we're we're good friends with all of them. Yeah, it's it's funny, like
0: no, I assumed it was basically like the news team fight, you know, for MakerMan. Like that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking about
4: too. <laughs> that's where I was headed. It's most of the industry is is really nice and smaller than you'd think. Like you go to like a game convention like Dice or E3, and everybody's hanging with everybody. You know, I could be talking to Jeff Gertzman, and then Cliffy B walks up, or you know, it's mm-hmm. Jason Rubin or something. It's just it's weird. Uh, game creators and journalists and Video makers are all kind of mingling together, but everybody's super friendly. I really haven't met someone that I've been like, oh, my God, stay away from that person. <laughs> uh, except maybe Dan Reichert. But.
3: I mean, yeah, I, th- I think that goes without saying.
4: <laughs> no, I get, he, he's, a, he's a good guy, but right. uh, uh, I had my fill of, of Dan's, you know, crazy genius. <laughs> fair enough yeah it's just it was just something i've always
3: been curious about because you see it on the on the internet all the time like you know game informers hate or, or ign or or whatever just whoever and it's just like i, I just don't get it but it, it was something i was curious about like some as someone who is a part of the industry
4: yeah yeah i mean there's some cheap shots taken you know some jabs every once in a while but uh you know that that's the nature of the business i sometimes yeah i've never done stuff like that but um Actually I have, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's sometimes it's just out of fun. Other times, you know, people are just kinda worked up for some reason or didn't like something you did. But yeah. At the end of the day though, you'll you'll have a drink with them or or you know have a meal with them or whatever. Like everybody's kind of friends with everyone. Very cool, very cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, I have a question for you, Carrington. Yeah, what's up? So we were playing Overwatch the other night. Mm-hmm. And I think you had a few drinks.
3: Yes, yes I did.
4: <laughs> and there was one match where you're shooting your diva bomb at the point and I was like flying over to be a bad para. <gasps> and I saw the bomb explode outside of the point. And I, I immediately asked, like, what happened there? And you're like, Oh, my she she blocked it and knocked it out. Is that true or did you just miss your shot?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so small backstory real quick. So when we record for our show, normally, I didn't today, I usually drink and... You know, bad on me. I usually drink sake, but I switched to moonshine, and I drink the same amount of moonshine as I do sake. So that was bad on my part. Um, So I completely missed, and I was kind of embarrassed (laughs) (laughs) because it was bad because I was way off, and I was like, "Oh gosh, I hope no one caught that."
4: (laughs) Yeah, I just I was like, "Wow, that was was like just you." Five feet off the
3: mark (laughs) just a little bit because i mean for the past a couple a couple times before that time um i was getting you know between five and seven self-destruct kills i'm like yeah i'm on fire i can feel it i'm diva now i'm the next poco um (laughs) who who, by the way plays for philadelphia fusion and i'm like yeah i'm the next poco i can feel it and then that night i was not hitting my shots i was not doing my self-destruct kills and i'm like oh gosh this is not good so, was it that you were
0: seeing double and you were just you were killing the other guy
3: but it just always happened to be the wrong one i i, I was seeing more than double that day <laughs> i think i said i was like i feel a little dizzy and phil was like i think that's a sign
4: you need to stop
0: it's like i got charlie's all over man they're everywhere <laughs> they're in <are> the trees
4: <laughs> all right well thanks for coming clean on that no problem thanks for now i can now everybody knows it's listening to the show
2: uh, shame shame uh, Reiner, thanks for coming on here, man it's, uh, Yeah,
4: absolutely Thank well, you. It's, it's been I'm going to go uh, play some Overwatch So I don't know if you guys are going to be playing But I'm sure I'll see you online And thanks for the opportunity, <laughs> this was fun
3: Thanks for coming
4: Yeah. Uh,
2: where can people, you know See your stuff at? <laughs> at internet Okay <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk to you later <laughs> Pretty much <laughs> see ya. Uh, thanks,
1: man.
4: Yeah, that was fun That was really fun Thank you awesome. no
1: My body's frozen, yeah. My mind a bit broken, yeah. This is taking. I'll be still, but I'll unleash the fire I'll be still, but I'll unleash the fire.
0: This isn't working.
1: Aye. Is it because I still be living with me mother? No. Is it because me mates be scallywags?
0: No, I like your friends.
2: Is it? It's the pirate talk, Terry.
1: Yar. Everyone's caught up in the Old
4: Bay filet fish at McDonald's. It's the taste locals crave on our classic sandwich. Get two for $5, either original or that Old Bay love. Yo-ho! Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Limited time only, single item at regular price